catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Thursday morning, July 14th. I'm Jacob Sedesi. And I'm Elliot Trito. And this is The Point from WUFT News. Congress has been meeting for the first time since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Healthcare advocates from many states, including Florida, are trying to make the case to lawmakers to use this time closing the insurance coverage gap. I spoke with WUSF's Health News Florida reporter Stephanie Colombini about a webinar held between several Florida groups to discuss this issue. Here's Stephanie. A coalition of healthcare advocacy groups like the Florida Policy Institute and some others and some lawmakers gathered for an event to really urge Congress to close what's known as the coverage gap. And that applies to people, mostly in non-expansion states or states that haven't expanded Medicaid, where like Florida has like a really restrictive Medicaid program. You have to have like insanely low incomes to qualify for Medicaid, whereas in other states that have expanded the program, it's a little more flexible. So these are people who earn too much to get Florida Medicaid, but not enough to qualify for some of the tax credits and subsidies on the Affordable Care Act marketplace plans. So they're kind of stuck where they can't afford health insurance, but neither program option helps. And so these groups were were urging Congress to do something about that now that they're kind of meeting again. And they argue that since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, kind of really adds urgency to something they should have done already, but now it's more important than ever. You mentioned this meeting between a coalition of Florida groups. What happened at that webinar and what was on the agenda? First, they introduced a mom who is in this coverage gap. She's a resident of Seminole County, Allison Homes, and she talked about she's a full-time caregiver for her son who has pretty serious disabilities. It's a very intensive and very stressful job, essentially, as his mother to take care of him. And so she has like health issues of her own. She had, you know, he's 18 years old now, and she literally has like physically lift him and help him do activities of daily living sometimes. So she has back pain. She has other issues that she would love to address, but she can't because she doesn't have health coverage because of that kind of similar situation where between her and her husband, the family income is too much to qualify for Medicaid, but they still don't qualify for those subsidies. And so, you know, she was kind of talking about her own urgency separate from the Roe versus Wade decision, although she did put into context that she was a 39-year-old, pretty stable in terms of finances person when she had her son. And it's still been really hard for her and her husband to, to handle this. So she was like, I can't imagine, you know, a young, say, teenager being forced, say, to, to follow through on a pregnancy because of abortion bans to be in a similar situation and not have access to coverage. She kind of gave the first testimonial, but then after that, you know, the various groups and also um, state representative Angie Nixon from Jacksonville, she spoke as well. And they kind of put into context what Roe versus Wade does in terms of adding urgency to this situation because restricting access to abortion and, and a lot of the states that haven't expanded Medicaid like Florida and other ones in the Southeast are typically the ones more likely to put in 
restrictions to abortion and, and other aspects of reproductive care. We're, you know, hearing talk in other parts of the country about limiting access to contraception and to things like IUDs or Plan B, and that might trickle its way into Florida. And so highlighting the need for especially people of reproductive age to have access to health care so that if they don't want children, if abortion and some of these things aren't another option, to be able to work with a health care provider and do what they can and have access to things to effectively prevent pregnancy will be more important than ever. But also if they do have children, to have them safely. And unfortunately, a lot of the people in the coverage gap are people of color, especially Black and Latinx people. They also face more risks when it comes to having pregnancy complications, maternal mortality rates are higher. So it's it can be a really dangerous situation. And if you don't have access to healthcare, that, that can be really scary. And not just during your pregnancy itself, because it's a little easier to get on Medicaid when you're pregnant. And the state did expand Medicaid to cover like postpartum coverage for a full year for people who give birth instead of 60 days. So that definitely is good. That's something we're celebrating, but people need healthcare before pregnancy, long after pregnancy, in order to make sure that they have healthy bodies and can raise their families in a safe way. Was there anything in your article that you may have wanted to add, but didn't? No, I don't think so. I think we're just keeping a close eye. Congress has a lot of issues they're working out. And of course, people are looking to see whether they codify abortion rights or do anything else on that front to address the issues that have arisen since Roe versus Wade was overturned. But time will tell. So, you know, we're all just looking closely. That was WUSF's Stephanie Colombini on healthcare advocates encouraging lawmakers to close the insurance coverage gap. Now, let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. The University of Florida has received $3 million in taxpayer funds to establish a new academic center focused on civics courses. According to Ana Ceballos of the Miami Herald, the university did not ask for it. A secretive group called the Council on Public University Reform did. The university also did not interact with the group or the man who represents it, Joshua Holdenreed, who has a long history of working with conservative and religious groups. Yet, the group had sway. The legislature approved its initial $2 million funding request and added $1 million more in a state budget approved by Governor Ron DeSantis in June. The city of Gainesville has a new police chief, and the former chief is being moved to a new position. According to Ryan Wyatt Turbeville of WCJB, Interim City Manager Cynthia Curry announced Acting Chief Lonnie Scott will officially become the Gainesville Police Department's next police chief starting July 25th. Former Chief Tony Jones, who became the city's Acting Chief Operating Officer in January, is being appointed the city's Special Advisor for Juvenile Justice and Community Support Programs. Cyclists and pedestrians will soon be able to travel down a new trail stretching from Archer to Celebration Point, county officials say. According to John Henderson of the Gainesville Sun, construction of the shared-use non-motorized trail is set to begin this month and is expected to reach completion in December. Subscribe to The Point Newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Visit WUFT.org for more information. I'm Elliot Trudeau. And I'm Jacob Sedesi. And you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Thursday.